Welcome back to a brand new episode of Full Metal RPG, episode number 42. I'm your Yay. host, Brendan Carrion. Today I'm joined by my co-host, my brother from another mother. He's holding a mic and wearing a shirt with a guy holding a mic. It's Adam Sink. What I'm up? Get, I'm getting swifty. You're very meta today, dude. It's I like, know. it's all, you're in, your shirt's like an inception. You're, you're, Everybody loves the Get Swift t-shirt. You got like shirt I get so many comments on it when I when I go out and about my business. Do you really? I do. I get comments. Mostly at the grocery store, which is the weird thing. It's like, when I go to the grocery store, people like, are like, moms oh. It's buying macaroni. It's like dudes hitting, hitting you up, right? They do. They like, do hit me up and they're just like, oh, that, do you watch that show? And I was like, it'd be weird if I wore the shirt and I didn't. <laughs> you're like, so, no, this is a band, right? This is Skinner. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't know what you're getting at here. Just no, I don't like, know what this is. See, I got it at the discount I would totally store. go with like the middle age route. Like, I don't know. My kid got me this. Yeah. What is it? Yeah. <laughs> just totally act stupid about well, it. I love Swifty. Yeah. yeah, Swifty is good. I, I get Swifty all the time. So, yeah. Doing great. Killer, killer, and as everybody must know at this point, uh, we are joined as well by Jim Miller. What up, Jim Miller? Yo, yeah, yo, I couldn't yo. wait. You had to jump in early. I did. Well, I'm so excited. Uh, you know, it's all it's it's all good. It's all good. There's pay attention to rules too much. This is professional yeah, operation. No, you can't yeah. just do. There's no rules. Can't do that kind of thing. This is there's no rules, dude. There's just guidelines. There's just guidelines at Full Metal RPG. So, um, uh, here we are. It's our monthly episode. And uh, doing some role playing, living that role playing life. Me personally, man, I I don't know about you. I guess if you if you guys if you as the listeners uh, follow the Instagram a lot, if you follow the Facebook, you've probably been kind of thinking like, what the fuck happened to Brendan? He kind of disappeared between December fifteenth and now here it is January fifteenth. What the fuck happened to that guy? And I'm I'm not gonna lie, I've been burnt the fuck out. I have like I had a whole week off from work. I had like ten days off from work that I spent like laying on the couch, like drooling. You know, I just I mean, um, uh, you know, I, w- without getting too much into it, you know, I mean, we 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 have peaks and valleys as creative people, and like all through the summer, I was like peaking creatively. I was like fucking writing thousands of words a day. I was like running multiple games. It was like fucking crazy balls. And then by the time, um, you know, November, December rolled around, I was just done. I was just done. And I, I have literally just been laying around. And it's what I find is because the holidays, it's too hard to keep that momentum going through that whole period of go and consume and participate in, you know, our society and go to see your family and go see your other family and go see your third family. And yeah, that's, and that's just, it's a grind. I, I think that next year, like, turn into like, like three guys just bitching about life. Well, Cause well, be like, I fucking hate that too. I hate that so much. Well, I, I think, I think what was going to happen is in next, next year, I think that we're going to do like one episode of full metal RPG December. And then we'll call it and be like, "We're going on break. See you next year." Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna cancel my role playing in November, 
and yep. I'm just gonna like weather out December because it's, it's basically second week of November. Start wrapping all your stuff up and yeah. prepare to put it on hold until probably second week of January. Sure, because I am just now starting to come out of that holiday that's coma. Exactly, what I was gonna say I'm yeah. just getting my energy back. Did you Did you guys see that that I have an article on Post Hammer? Yeah, I saw it. Post Hammer. Did you guys see that I have a post? On Core Hammer, Core did, Hammer, I did. I did. Why didn't you post that on Full Metal RPG? Mm. Could have well, done both because Nate asked me you for it. Cross posted it. Nate asked me for it. I know, but you gotta you gotta go after I, your own I, stuff first. The, the thing is, is that like when I wrote it, I didn't think it was anything worthwhile. It was like a, well, it was a Facebook post that, that yeah, yeah, and I just didn't really. See, I just thought it was just me being me, and then Nate saw it and he was like, "Oh, let's do something with this." And so I kind of I rewrote it that night, and then. Uh, Seriously, it was within like 36 hours it was up on Core Hammer. So. People just want to hear your weird... People want to hear other people's rants, weird yeah. rants about the stuff that they're interested in. Uh, yeah, no, it's true. And I, I'm just... So so if you're listening in on this and you don't know what the fuck we're talking about, uh, if you go over to Core Hammer, you guys should know Core Hammer. Come on, I don't know if it's .com or .org or .eu or what. Domains don't matter yeah, anymore. D-E. You just Google what you're interested in. It'll get you to it's, the right it's place It's not eventually. D-E. Yeah, just, just Google Core Hammer. Go over there, check out the blog. It's the guys who do dungeon punks. Nathan, who is like the the head dungeon punk, or at least he was until I think he handed it off to Mark Boardman for a for a hot minute. But um, go check it out. I got a I got a blog post up there. Nathan asked me for it. It's it's my like little kind of deconstruction of the Hellraiser franchise within the context of watching the Hellraiser Judgment trailer for the first time. So. Um, it was really crazy how fun that was to write, so I feel like my energy is back. That's good. You know, so it's time to get back to work. Is it you punk know to have a hierarchy like that? Huh? Yeah. Is it punk to have like a well, you hierarchy? You you have there's certain... Well, look, look, here's the thing, here's do. the thing, is 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 I feel like uh, it, it's not like a totalitarian hierarchy over there mm-hmm. or anything, but as I can tell you from podcasting world is that you need to have a guy who tells everybody when to show up and yeah. what they need to do because <laughs> if you because if you don't then no one ever then will never it happens, just doesn't yeah. happen you know so I, I don't know what marks would have to say about that or what but um i liked it i mean i like the article and um i think it was really interesting that like that one trailer like got like all the horror nerds out because like there was like three different discussions happening on facebook about the one fucking trailer mm-hmm and so I was like, that's pretty cool. It's like, been a while. I think it was, Um, it's been like 10 years since well, no, they did been one. Ho- yeah, well, there's been horror movies. I think well, there's, right, there's, there's, there's been a while since they Hellraiser. Hellraiser movie. I think everyone though. wants a good one. I think that's yeah. what the, it the, is. the last time they did a Hellraiser movie was that one that didn't have uh, Doug Bradley yeah, in it, and that was yeah. controversial, and it was like overly panned by everybody. They were like, ah, yeah. oh, fuck it, it's not Hellraiser anymore. And I think that we're kind of in a spot now where we can kind of be like, Look, there's going to be Hellraiser movies, and they're not all going to have Doug Bradley, and they're not going to have Clive Barker involved. I mean, they haven't in a long time. Um, So what are they going to be, and what are they going to be about, and what can we expect from them? And that is kind of largely what the um, article is about, or the piece, or whatever you want to call it, Um, which is basically, in in summary, you can't expect anything from them. Don't expect anything. Why would Why would you? What kind of What kind of moron are you? Have you been awake for the past twenty five years? Hellraiser a lot like I treat the crow. It's not going to be anything. No. So just don't expect anything. Have zero <laughs> yeah, expectations. Like, 
<laughs> I, I, I'm just consistently boggled by people who are like, "Why isn't everything awesome like it used to be?" It's like, are you no, fucking kidding? Have you been paying terrible. attention? Yeah, no, yeah. No. Paying attention to anything recently? It's fucking everything sucks. Anyway. And Hellraiser in particular, like Hellraiser, like everyone always has high hopes for it. Like it, it's, it's not. It's like it, it's like this the guy who peaked out in high school. Well, and, like, it's you generally the well. first iteration of a thing, and sometimes the second is the best one. Yeah. And then after that, you're just kind of flogging the, the you know, the uh, the equine corpse. You're so, just kind of sitting there like beating on the thing. So I'm and the weird guy. I, like, I liked Hellraiser 2. Oh, I, yeah. I love yeah. Hellraiser 2. And and I liked, uh, uh, shit, what's the name of it? It was the fourth one. Bloodlines. Bloodlines. I liked Bloodlines. I thought Bloodlines was like, I think cool. it's a really good movie. And it's, yeah. a, it's a good movie. It was stronger before I rewatched it and realized Adam Scott was in it. Now the now the, now oh. when you when you watch Adam Scott in it, Adam Scott's the guy from Parks and Rec. He's like Leslie Nope's like oh. love interest, <laughs> right. and like and he's and he's and he subsequent to that he's done a whole bunch of comedy shit. And so oh. Now he's in comedy movies all the time, but you don't remember that he's in Hellraiser four because it's like one of his early roles. Yeah. And so you're watching the movie, and then like this guy turns around, and it's Adam Scott, and it's like everything becomes unintentionally hilarious <laughs> from that point forward. You know, and there's just nothing you can do about that. Is that this guy was like trying to make a go of being like an action slash whatever kind of actor and then right. he just fell into comedy you know it's, it, it's his it's his calling he's good at it it's interesting story he actually auditioned for additional hellraiser movies really? after being in hellraiser bloodline and didn't tell them that he was in hellraiser bloodline nice. just <laughs> hoping that he would nice. get cast in them i get the impression so. like that dude's like the real deal nerd like he just there's, no, there's no, too much that he puts into his comedy and into the bits, and no, I, I, I agree. I think he was also a desperate actor who was like, "No, I'll be in a fucking hell. Give, right. keep, me, give me that fucking Hellraiser movie. Do, give man. me more roles." Yeah. yeah. All I right. So, it. all right, all right. Enough, enough, enough. Fucking Hellraiser shit. Because how well, can it ties in? It ties in a little bit, though. How does it tie in? Because I'm watching very closely what's happening with Hellraiser because I'm using it as inspiration for some of the shit that I'm working on. Oh, yeah. All right, anyway, we'll get to I'm that. Yeah. yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. I don't use it for yeah. anything. Interesting. Wait, you don't use Hellraiser for anything? No. I use it for my life. It's my life, Adam. I don't use it for any inspiration. <laughs> okay, okay. Touche. Touche, mon frere. <laughs> all right, I'm all right. Being an ass. Sorry. No, dude, I'm I'm fucking being dense. I guess I'm 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 three in. So yeah, two 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 point five in. We're good. All right, so we've come to the part of the show where we talk about we're gonna, we're going to do a little bit of order here, cats. So um, we're going to skip right to the what kind of shit have you bought recently? Because it's the holidays, and so we all oh, know everybody's been buying some. My shit. My God, the capitalism was like brutal with me this year. Brutal. I don't know. I earned a lot of goodwill or something. Mm-hmm. So it was like an embarrassment of riches in terms of like the 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 cause my my birthday and Christmas they kind of line up there within a couple of days of each other yeah they're real close exactly so people always I always I, I it's either boom or bust and this is one of those boom years where it was just like it was just like crazy and plus like there was like a little bit of a fiduciary kind of incentive at the end of the at the end of the work year and it was mm-hmm. like so I, I I diverted some of that to Games Workshop to you know <laughs> to, to do what I can for the English economy etc. With Brexit coming up, you yeah, have to they're help gonna need out. it. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, they're gonna need it. Poor bastards. Yeah, that's where my ancestors come from. So I, 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 I gotta help. I, feel I gotta help my people. Anyway, problems. Anyway, so it was, it was, it was, it was bonkers. I got so much stuff in addition to the shit that I just collect on my own because I'm compulsive. I, I was telling Adam before we started rolling tape. I literally, 
literally in mid-December bought a copy of Trail of Cthulhu for myself because I was like, oh, yeah, I want to take a look at how this game works, kind of related to Ravenous and stuff, and it is literally sitting on my counter unopened. I haven't even gotten it out of the fucking, like, box that it came in. It's just sitting there. I know it's in there. Haven't had time for it. Haven't had time for it. So, what did you guys get? You guys get anything good recently? Role-playing books in particular. Who got any role-playing books? I didn't buy anything, but like uh, some Kickstarter shirts coming in. So, Ooh, like um, what? Like what? Uh, well, no, you know what I did buy is I bought uh, Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells mm. and the Addendum book, which I brought. Yeah, you and, showed me that. It was really cool. And uh, so I really started digging into that and, and like I started reading the PDF and I loved it. So I went ahead and ordered a physical copy because I'm, I'm more apt to read it over and over again as a physical copy versus a PDF. And, uh, and I'm just really fucking digging it. Like uh, it's, it clicks on all the right... It's like the right tool for the right job. Like uh, sharp swords and sinister spells is a sword and uh, sorcery kind of barbarian-ish game. Uh, it's it's it's. I always describe it as like I've been describing it lately as it's a it's a combination of like the black hack and dungeon call classics light. So where I'm saying it's the right tool for the right job is like that's the perfect avenue for me to get like those brand new players. It's, it's, it's a really good tool to be like, all right, we're going to, you never role play before. We're gonna do something really easy and flexible and light and capable. And we're going to use this system here. And then like, I'll grad you up to, um, DCC after, um, cause DCC has a little bit more crunch in it. Do you feel like there's, it's like a graduation thing. Do you feel like that that's the optimal goal with sharp swords? Like no, to, to no, eventually no, no. phase it out and do a different system or do you feel no. like it, okay. You no, feel like it, it stands on its own. Yeah. You can, you can totally use it to sound on your own. My play style. Like I would like, I like the little bit of extra crunch in DCC. And so like, you know, people always like kind of know that I like story games and I like more narrative games, but DCC fills a crunch like void that I have yeah. like in exactly the way that I want it. Um, you can use sharp swords and sinister spells like indefinitely forever. And it's great. Like just the system is so fucking solid. Um, I was really, really surprised cause I read the black hack and I was, you know, the black hack is good and a lot of people really like the black hack, but it, it felt, uh, it felt almost incomplete to me. And so it, it didn't seem like something I could, I could use um, for a long period of time or, that was interesting enough for me to not use anything else. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like there. there was no, there was no reason for me to use it, me personally. But like I know other, like, like I know Royce uses it, right, and stuff like that. And, but I like I could find no reason to use it when there's other stuff out there. Um, whereas Sharp Swords just comes in because it's so streamlined. Like it's it's so like you can tell that this guy loves Dungeon Call Classics because he took like all the stuff that makes DCC great and he like distilled it down into the purest form. And it's 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 really fucking brilliant. Like I was, I'm really impressed with it. And uh, I, I, I think it. when you mentioned Diogo, and I don't want to be like glossing too much here because I mean he and I have a personal relationship outside the show. We've known each other for a long time via Instagram and stuff. Even though we've never met in real real world, I I I really feel like the word brilliant gets thrown around a lot. But with him, it is like completely apt. That guy's like a next level role playing thinker that you just don't encounter all the time, you know. And I think that w- the interview that we did with him, it really shows that because I wasn't anticipating that. I was not anticipating having this next level conversation with that guy. So if you haven't listened to that interview, you gotta go back and then consider taking a look at Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells because well, that's like yeah, well, I mean, fucking that's crazy shit. So I've kind of talked a little bit about this with like some friends before about like 
the things that sort of inspired me to to get back into gaming or to really start looking at things differently. And it, it's it's the whole concept of taking role playing games, which are ostensibly just bloated, in my opinion. And, and then being able to look at that and find out what are the things that actually make it tick and then distill it down. Like the first time that I read, um, uh, that I read Savage Worlds, it blew my fucking mind. Like it completely changed the way I looked at role-playing games because here was something that said, look, these are the very basic blocks of what a role-playing game should be. And this is all you need to use. You just sort of build on top of that. And ever since then, every system that I've fallen in love with basically does that. Like, um, Apocalypse World does that, where it takes sort of like the essence of like specific genres or a specific system, and it boils it down um, to building blocks that you can build on top of. So you have to like reduce it and then build on top of. That's, That's interesting. I see what you're saying. I also disagree in a certain way when you get into the Apocalypse Engine stuff. But to be totes honest, I kind of want to put a bookmark on the Apocalypse Engine discussion, and we can come back to it and talk to it at another time. Because I feel like there's a really that we could go off for a whole show about yeah, this. Yeah, there could be a long discussion. Yeah, going around and around about that. Dungeon World, Savage Worlds, Apocalypse World. Well, no, Savage Savage Worlds is really different yeah. mechanically. It is. I, I, I had that kind of They're aha all kind of moment. tied together, though, right? There's no, not Savage Worlds. That's aren't completely they? different. Oh, is it its own? I Savage don't have Worlds Savage Worlds. I assumed it was the same thing just oh, no. because it's got world in the title. No, no, no. No, it's its own thing. No, it's its own I don't thing. have it, so. Uh, and But then, but again, I see some, like, so the things that I see, you know, in, in Savage Worlds and Apocalypse Worlds, I see in Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells, where it's, it's a, you're distilling down to an essence of something that's very pure and then you can sort of build on top of I really feel like I had that same moment with Lamentations I know I come back to it again and again on this show about Lamentations 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 but like that's just how I felt about that game and I fucking I mean I wouldn't say I judge every game against it but I definitely understand what it is you're saying I can relate to that Yeah, that was that moment for me uh, what, what else Adam what'd you get you get anything good lately so for me, uh, I've been going off and I got Omega World at Gen Con or Omega Zone at Gen Con. And I've re- been recently getting into Mutant Year Zero. I got a bunch of books for that. And as we were discussing earlier, the thing that kind of ties them all together is um, they all really tie back to Gamma World <laughs> with the idea of the the cards and um, the randomness and how all of that stuff ties together and the idea of these post-apocalyptic weirdness and these different zones and areas and these unique things in the areas in a kind of like a very fallout kind of way. Um, so I've been, I've been picking those up and collecting those and reading through them and having a really good time doing it. I'll probably end up running them after 13th age, which is another game line I've been picking up books for. I got, I've always had 13 true ways in the core book. I got the book of loot and I got the bestiary for that. Oh, you picked up the the book of loot. I do have the book of loot. How is it? I got flipped through it and I, I liked the way it looked. How do you feel about it? It's not bad. The way that they handle loot in 13th age is, is different. It's interesting. It's very interesting. Um, there, there's always like a quirk associated with the loot item that you pick up that kind of changes the way that your character role plays, um, or functions. And, you know, at, you've picked up 13 True Ways recently. There's it's there's a true. lot in that that kind of adds that dynamic kind of element to the game. Um, I feel like it, it was going off in this direction where it had its unique voice. And I don't really think they've come out with anything in a while for it, which is kind of a shame because I think it's one of those 
one of those games that came out during the the fourth year before fifth he came out like shadow of the demon lord that was trying to fill a niche um and now there is a question of you know do those niches need to be filled anymore you've got pathfinder you've got fifth edition and and is there an audience for those games but they're kind of fascinating to look at as as artifacts or or time pieces have you read through um mutant year zero I have read through Mutant Years. Yeah, that's, I like that. Seems, I think that's. I think. Uh, I think. Uh, what is it? Modifius is the name of the company. Like, yeah, Modifius. I think. I think they're mm-hmm. on to something. Like, because it seems like what they're doing is they're they're blending, like indie, concepts with like sort of trad mechanics. They are the issue I have with Mutant Year Zero is, it's not Gonzo enough. It, yeah, it's, it's really kind of like almost like a, it wants to go there yeah. and they keep pulling back. It wants to go this really weird, crazy route and they keep pulling back. And it's odd because they're making a, a fallout miniatures game. That company is making a fallout miniatures game. But um, is, is fallout? It's not gonzo though. Fallout's pretty gonzo. Is it? Yeah. Fallout has like, Fisto, like the sex robot and like all of these really weird ideas and like bizarre things but and it's not like tentacles coming off of your hand and no like, not like I that turned into a kangaroo and shit like that no it's not gonzo in that regard you're right you still play like a human vault survivor but there's a lot of weird stuff in it and i can tell that mutineer zero seems like they're they're trying to have this kind of serious narrative but underneath it all it's just kind of you're looking at it going this could all be really silly too. And it seems like they want to go in that direction, but they're afraid to go in that direction. So I think there's gonna be like two, two different games that are going to do that. So there's mutant year zero, which is going to be kind of like the, the Christopher Nolan of post-apocalyptic stuff, right? right? It's darker. And then you're going to have mutant crawl classics, which is going to go full gonzo. Like, you play a plantient. Like yeah, I'll a, have to yeah. check out Mutant Crawl Classics because I have Omegazone. Omegazone definitely goes gonzo and, and Gamma World definitely goes gonzo. But the thing is, they don't give you a world. You still have to construct the world. Whereas Even, I thought, Mutant Year Zero tries to give you more of like, here's these world areas yeah. and it's a world builder and here's it, but it's not. I thought that there was like there some enough. kind of mechanic inside of Mutant Year Zero about like how the fall of humanity happened and that like you resolve that like in the game there is there's a whole backstory to that but it's but it's a it's a meta plot backstory that's part of the meta plot backstory that's part of the whole thing oh i thought there's a whole gm only chapter that goes into it where there's this complex that you have to go explore and it gets into all of that and oh really that's kind of weird that's so and it's not yeah, it, it's interesting. I love the game, and I think it's a fascinating well, game. It's just not, like I said, it's not Gonzo enough for me. It's yeah. not weird enough, it's, and so I'm looking at it going, me. I'm going to have to make this so much weirder if but I want to run let's it. Let's talk a sec about the the mechanics of it, because like they're really, like, Modifius is really going, or Modifius, or however you say their fucking name. Whatever. Um, they're they're like doubling down on systems, because it seems like they're coming out with new settings. Yeah, like, so they every either have months. their 2D20 or they've got the one that Mutineer Zero uses, which is multiple D6s. Right. And you have to roll, I think it's sixes to get a success. And so... But you have a whole pool to do that. You have a whole pool to do it. But you if you roll get ones... One success. You have to get one success. But if you roll ones, and you can push your rolls. So if you have three dice and you don't generate any sixes, you can say, I'm going to push. You don't re-roll any ones, but you re-roll any other dice. But then they- so you can keep pushing to try to generate successes. But if you push and you have ones, then you generate 
bad things or complications. Your gear degenerates, you gain a mutation, something like that. They took a lot of those concepts and they started adding it to the 2D20 system. So like okay. Conan does that. Um, I played um, Star I, Trek. The Star Trek do it? I, oh, you managed yeah. to play some Star Trek? <laughs> okay, so... Oh, God. I probably shouldn't say this one. Um, so I played half a game of Star Trek because um, there was two things going on. One is I was did, editing... Did it end with someone throwing their... Yeah, it was across it was, the room and it was, storming. It was out. me. Um, uh, so, oh, you were at a con. You were I was at a con playing it. So I had two different like, things going on. It was like one nerds. I had a I had an edit for John Wick's game that I did the video for. So I, I was I was stressing this edit, and I had to get it done that day while I was at a con because there was a right, right. <laughs> and uh, and so in the middle of the game, I had to go and just and take off. Like I didn't think I was going to get too far in the game anyway. But you know the the problem with star trek sometimes is like the people who want to play it are like hardcore star trek fans what are you so trying to like, say dude so right off the bat before we even started playing the gm told us the name of the ship and there was a whole discussion about whether that was the proper naming convention it's for lord that of class the rings of problem where anytime you yeah, go no, to I lord it. of the rings there's somebody who's it, yeah. read the similarin who goes well actually, well, actually that character yeah. and you're like oh well, my actually, god i don't well, actually, care guy yeah and it was like you can't name a ship like that because this class of ship has this style of naming conventions that it sticks to so you can't do that and but outside of that i was like fascinated by the the mechanics of it because they actually uh, they, they actually put a like there's a sheet of techno babble that you use in the game. Like, so That's it's like, cool. yeah, you want to do like some that. like sciencey shit that you pull out this sheet of techno babble and you sort of pick one. And then that's sort of what you, you have to narratively sort of come up with like what it does. And then you roll dice to see if it happens. We need to launch a probe into the tachyon field. Yeah, it's fucking great. Yeah. You there just you do go. that. And I was like, I was so about that. I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, that's great. It's just like the guys were too serious. Like it's, there was Did no, the well, actually guys get mad about where, well, if, if you watched episode three, of they got season a little four, bit, yeah, there was a little then bit you would happened. know that that probe wouldn't actually were in you. Go, I felt right, bad okay. for the GM because the GM really wanted like this very star Trek sent. Like I can tell this GM was fucking great because he wanted, and I got the definite vibe of like, this is a star Trek adventure. It's fucking fun and it's sciencey and it's all kinds of weird and, and it's hardcore sci-fi and like his just attitude and energy was really good and you could see him slowly start get whittled down by like the two nerds who were arguing back that's anymore. why i was so glad yeah, that warlord amanda's game or supernatural game went right. off as well as it did because i was going oh man well that I, could quickly fall into well yeah. supernatural fans i think are a different breed and i i probably wouldn't run star trek at a convention just for that no. reason like yeah, I firefly would, I, would be I, the same thing too, i honestly like, wouldn't run star wars at a convention for that reason you know i don't want to sit there and fucking argue about like like how many midichlorians Kylo Ren has? You know, well, what I'm you saying? said his lightsaber blade was yellow, and that means this in the terms of the universe. And you're like, oh my god, I don't care. Only the thing is, I don't know anybody who has a Star Trek That's why I jumped in because I don't know anybody who bought that thing or you know wants to play it like on a regular basis. That's just kind of not my wheelhouse. I just remember right playing now. Starship Battles back in high school and hating every Star, minute of Starfleet Battles. Starfleet Battles. Actually, yeah. Starfleet Battles. Actually, Starfleet Battles. <laughs> well, actually, I remember guys. playing Starfleet Battles and hating every minute of it because I was with. Oh, I One. know who you were playing that with. Yeah, Lulz, FK. Good old FK. And, uh, <laughs> what and, up, FK? And yeah, just I remember just wanting to to beat his face into the <laughs> pavement. Oh boy, oh boy, hot takes, hot takes, kids. All right, so what else have you guys been buying? Anything good? You guys collecting anything good? Who's collecting some good shit? Who? 
bunch of Warhammer shit. Oh uh, yeah. All right. So, so we're much. not going to talk about the Warhammer yeah, shit. We're not going to talk about it, but so much Warhammer we, shit. We could do like an entire podcast just about the Warhammer yeah, shit. You have no idea how much Warhammer buying. shit. It's, just, it's, it's fucking retarded. It used to be like a FMRPG Warhammer. One, just one episode, get it oh, all my. out of your fucking system. <laughs> it won't <laughs> get out of our system. That's not how that works. Sorry. Bad idea. That's like, that's like, uh, that's oh, like telling Philip Seymour Hoffman, take all this heroin and get it out of your system and then you'll be done with it. It's not going to work. Do all the coke you're going to do As soon as I said it, Here's this giant ball of fentanyl. Just take this whole thing and you'll be fine. I was halfway through saying it. I couldn't stop it. It was too late, but I already regretted it. All right, let's see. What what did I collect recently? Okay, so um, Adam got me Eyes of the Stone Thief for uh, my birthday slash Christmas, which is really rad. That's like a... a, I don't know if it's award-winning, but it's definitely one of those like uh, modules that's like so fucking weird that like you you gotta get one. It's Mm -hmm. uh, it's a module for 13th Age and it's like super fat. It's super fat like a source book would be. And it's all about this like crazy idea that in the world of 13th Age is that like dungeons as... Uh, dungeons are creatures or they mm-hmm. can be creatures and they come to life and then they like ravage around the countryside like fucking shit up and so in yeah, order collecting to collecting more treasure and yeah, collecting treasure collecting buildings and shit <clears throat> so you got to go into the dungeon which is like moving around and it's a creature that reorganizes itself based on like like what's around it mm-hmm. and what you're doing it's kind and of so, dark city kind of the cube yeah kinda, mm-hmm. oh, it's cool. like so strange and there's all these like mechanics for moving the different rooms around and the, there's a whole section about like well what are you next to like what can you get to based on what the creature kind of like is anticipating out mm-hmm. of you and it's just it's gonna be one of those like really kind of like next level adventures if you choose to run it that way this, so this is why this, this, i think it's a brilliant line and i'm sad yeah. they're not continuing to come out with stuff for is it, it like it's it's like it's a creature that like is like underground or in a cave or something like it's that. Above it ground. it's moving around it tunnels and it moves around like the the cover of it is the thing with all of the buildings and fires like, moving ima- imagine a across the countryside that's made out of yeah. buildings right. and shit uh, okay. and so it's moving through the countryside it can tunnel it can come up it's really fascinating and weird in all of the right ways yeah, it's true. It's truly bizarre. And I don't own it. What? I don't own it for full disclosure, but it's one of those books I've been meaning to pick up just because I looked at it and I was like, if they could have put out more of this or explained this better or, and it's got the, out of the, all the 13th age books, and this is not a high bar to pass. It's got the best art. Oh yeah, um, definitely the best art. And the other art in the, all those books sucks. It's terrible, but this, but this one is good. They got that and guy who did all the stuff from Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. He mm-hmm. did the art and it's really great. Yeah, it's a fascinating book. It's well done and I, you know, like I said, I don't own it, but I, I still recommend at least looking at it to see if it's the this, kind of thing you'd like. I kind of want to read it now because I got this game a while back that I kickstarted and I just... I read it and it, so- it sounded cool. And then, like once I started reading it, like I couldn't wrap my head around how to run it. But it's this game called Belly of the Beast, and the whole idea is it's like this enormous, like bigger heard than big creature. Like yeah. we're talking, it's like it can eat a city. Yeah, That's how big these things are, right? And and it just it did just that. Like it goes around the world and it's slowly devouring like entire villages and towns. Right. And it's so big that. You, you basically you live and die inside of this creature. Yeah, when I started reading Eyes of the Stone Thief, that's immediately what I thought of uh, is is Belly of the Beast. I couldn't yeah. remember the name of it, so yeah. good call on yeah, that. But I, I was like, I was like, this is like that game where you're inside the Leviathan creature. Yeah, yeah, and and it's just, for some reason I can't like I, I kind of want to run it, but I can't wrap my head around like 
Like how we you just gonna, need to go find like some Hieronymus Bosch paintings and stuff and just stare at those for a while. Yeah, I mean, Drop just, a lot of acid just, and it'll, stare at it. Yeah, it'll just get, get weird. you in the right frame of just mind. Just let for yourself it. get weird. So that's cool. I, I recommend that book, even if you don't want to run it as like a campaign, because the whole book is a campaign. It's huge. Yeah, it takes you from like fourth level to seventh or something. So, yeah, maybe it's, it's a long campaign. It's a long campaign. Anyway, nice. it's got all this stuff in there of so many NPCs and all these different locations that like seriously, even if you weren't going to run it as a campaign, you could pick it apart. There's like so much stuff, weird different cults and villages and uh, strange esoteric characters that are all kind of like have agendas and motivations inside the dungeon. This is one of those books that... I don't know. The 13th Age line is really top-notch, and it's kind of sad that it's never going to really get the kind of attention it deserves. But on the other hand, as it is kind of like this weird intermediary point between 4th and 5th, and it's kind is of that something that you really like, there's want? There's definitely like a Yeah, there's, there's a oh, strong fan base for it. I like I'm it better than Shadow of the Demon Lord. I have both of them. And from what you're telling me, it sounds a lot like a lot of the Lamentation stuff, where it's just like, here are these characters and these... Yeah, you know these little, and that's what I really loved about because I've been reading um Cursed Chateau recently. Ah, and that's what I really love about those books is I was like, there's so much oh, stuff you could dude. do with it. There's so much stuff to just mine here that, that, and that, and build out how you want to use it. That's a really great segue. Uh, I did get a Kickstarter in from um these guys. It's the guys who put out uh, the Undercroft Zine in England. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, that's a Lamentation Zine, and so backed this thing in i don't know sometime last year it's called fever swamp and i backed it at around the same time i got started with the fmrpg club and i knew that i was going to do this like uh uh adventure that was based on um kind of synthesizing uh the croaking fane from dcc yes. and um scenic dunsmith from lamentations of the flame princess i was gonna be running it with lamentations engine and I was like, oh, well, these are two two modules that share a lot of similarities. Let's kind of like do something with it. Uh, it takes place in a swamp. It takes it's about cults. It's about people who are out in the sticks and have gotten a bit weird. And so I've been running it for our club. I've had a ton of fun with it. And um, so last Friday was our uh, was our club meeting, right? And I literally I stopped by my the front office at my apartment complex and I picked up my mail and I saw that he'd come in. And I ripped it, ripped open the, it was came from Europe, so I ripped open the package. And I f- literally flipped through it for 10 minutes. I laid down, took a 30-minute nap, got up, went to the club, did character creation for some new players that were playing, and then started playing with it. That's how fast I got it from mailbox to table. Fever Swamp. It, was, it, it, it synthesized perfectly with what I was doing. And then the way that it was written and laid out with the tables and with the monsters and with the major plot points that were going on inside of the, the little hex crawl narrative that it has, um, it was organized so crisply that like you just need to kind of like be able to keep one eye on it. Like all the major names are bolded and stuff, so it jumps right off the page. It's a low word count. It was just like it was like the utility was maximum. The work I had put into it was minimum. It was amazing. So Love that it. sounds like a Rasputina album. <laughs> totally does. <laughs> right, just, yeah, it does. <laughs> I miss them. Um, I miss oh, them Fever too. Swamp. Yeah, yeah Fever Swamp. Does. Yeah. It kind of does. Now you mention it. Uh, yes, yeah, so, uh, I miss them. Um, that kind of like talk like speaks about like how OSR has sort of changed the way that 
So OSR is supposed to be sort of like this old school way of doing things. But but at one point, though, I think that all the best, in my opinion, all the best OSR actually kind of inverses some of that, right? So back in the day, it was about like a lot of player options. And there was just a, so much player options and so much player book. Like there was a, so if you guys have ever seen any of like the, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, oh my God. Uh, Shit, I'm trying to remember who who wrote it. It's Iron Crown. It's Ice is the name of the company. Right, yeah. Iron Crown Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. And like their games are just like so many tables and charts for the players and it's just like, well, fuck me. To be totally honest, the Ice material is known for being unapproachable and for being incredibly technical and burdensome. Right. It's, it was known for that. Right, no, but even like fantasy, uh, what is it? Uh, what's Fantasy role play, uh, what is it? Uh, God, uh, Warhammer. I think it's, yeah, Warhammer, Warhammer fantasy, fantasy, fantasy yeah. Like that, even there was just like so much. It was just so uh, bloated. No. Yeah, there was a lot no. of like, yeah. Warhammer, was, no. Yeah, there's a I've lot. I played of stuff that game, there. and it's I I know that game inside now. It that goes game. very simply, but if you look at that book, it's like there's so many things you can choose, and I want to be this guy and this guy. And you okay? No, you've not ever played it, have you? You don't get choices in that game. You yeah, literally you roll. you roll on a table uh-huh. and it yeah. tells you what your character yeah. is. Well, yeah, you don't yeah. get and to then pick. everything right. is just just percentile increments, right. and it's just like you're just. I mean, the thing about about Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay is how powerless you are. You're just like mm-hmm. I'm I'm a cheesemonger, and then you're like <laughs> fighting a rat, and it's like fucking weird. But no, no, but that's what I'm talking about. It's like it's it's uh, it's all player heavy. Like there's just a lot of player stuff there, right? Like table wise, there's a lot of player tables for stuff, right? Versus sort of newer OSR stuff is really heavy geared for the GM to have ease of use. That's yeah. kind of yeah, like, I that's been the that. shift that I've seen. Cause like I've been going back and reading old like D and D modules and flipping through old magazines, like PD, like scans of old magazines and stuff like that. And it's like, everything was sort of based on like randomness for the player side, which right. I guess is kind of cool and interesting, but I think it's even better for the GM to have all these random tables to help build worlds. Player randomness is a double-edged sword. It is, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when you put all those tables for a GM to like generate shit on the fly and just pick up and play yeah. something and run something. Like I don't mind a Gamma World situation where it's player randomness as you get something roughly equivalent or something playable, but... You know, my, my, what I always default to when I think about player randomness is that, is that Stormbringer Elric campaign I was in where it was like, oh, you rolled poorly. Fuck you. You're like, oh, thanks. That's, that seems fair. No, no. All these other characters are cool, but fuck you. That's that's the mechanical side of it. That's mechanical. I'm talking about just like, like literally it was players had tables to roll on. GMs didn't have quite as many. And now it seems like it's the other way around. Like, and now it seems like it's GMs have a lot of tools that are there for them to build these worlds. Uh, I'm not entirely going to agree 100% with what you're saying. I feel like some of this might be a little bit us kind of like looking back at stuff not remembering it 100%. Also, I think some of it is us referencing stuff that we didn't directly participate in because we're not old enough to have been part of like the first wave, which was happening in like the late 70s, mm-hmm. early 80s. Like my first experiences with Dungeons and Dragons were second edition and while I own some first edition books because I was a kid and I'd like buy them at like used bookstores and shit, I never actually played Dungeons Dragons right. first edition. I never sat down and read them and tried to yeah. construct a narrative out of them. No, right. you couldn't. I mean, they did. They had a lot of tables, but it was like roll to see what kind of treasure was in this kind of dungeon, and roll to see what kind of right. monster was wandering. Yeah, but, but that's it, a GM table. Th- those are GM tables, but those GM tables weren't geared towards building adventures. Is what I'm saying. Like you can pick up 
a tool now for a GM. Like you can pick up. Yeah, oh, guns that's true. Right. That's, well, that's true. Kind of right. No, like, because they didn't care about a narrative. It right. Wasn't the idea of a narrative. It was an idea of you're stuck yeah. in a dungeon. Fight shit. Yeah, yeah they Go were super things. weird. It's just all fighting all the time, and you're like, all right, that seems great. And those I were guess. the tables. What I'm saying now is like yeah, all the right. tables to create these 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 modules almost like you can write entire modules on your own. oh like yeah that's what's so dude that dude and that's okay. what's good that like, is what's so great about the osr there's another podcast i listen to with a friend of mine in it i shall name no names josh i hope you're listening and he was talking about osr and my particular fascination with it josh he was yeah josh and he was all like, oh, I don't like the crunchiness of OSR. But what I what I morally want people to hear is that OSR isn't about crunch. OSR like is about taking it past 3.5, past yes. the system-heavy yep. uh, second edition stuff, and getting into that gritty style of role-playing where the system is so is so light and non-invasive that it becomes practically a narrative game. I, I run... It's rulings, not rules. I mean, rulings, that's, that's, not that's, rules. Yeah. I run a Lamentations of the Flame Princess game on a regular basis now, and I'm telling you, man, like I can't just be like, oh, here's a random encounter. You guys are just going to fight this whole session because they'll just all die. If there's going to be a game that happens week in and week out, it has to be about other things than fighting because those dudes have like four hit points. You know what I'm saying? There's no, there's not going to be a game if I just grind them up every right. session. You there's know, there's so much brutality if you just if you run it that way. Well, like if you run yeah. Death Frost Doom as written. Your characters will die yeah, in yeah. the second room. Well, they won't get any further than that. They'll just be dead. I, I, I mean, I think that so much of those games comes into explaining what your character is doing. A, a lot of new players have this problem because they've been trained on games that are so role heavy, R O L L heavy, like uh, three point five, where you'll say, "Oh, okay, so here's a room." You're looking for X MacGuffin or whatever, and they'll go, "Okay, I make. I, I, what check do I make to find out?" And I'm like, "There's no check. I want you to explain mm-hmm. as you go Tell into me the what room. You're doing. And yeah, yeah. Right. like like oh, and and then they have to say something like, oh, well, I have to. I'm going to go to the piano and I'm going to investigate it. And then I have to say, okay, how do you investigate it? Because I need them to say like, I go to the piano chair and I flip it over and I look at the bottom and I see, does it have a hinge on it so I can open up the top and look inside? And each one of those actions has an in-world consequence that mm-hmm. they may or may not know about. And of course, that's where the kind of paranoia of OSR right. players comes because where's the trap? Where's the ironic death? You know what I'm saying? So right. devil's advocate for that because I got into like this, like not heated, but a very lively discussion with, with a guy who's a very trad player. And I was saying like, you don't need skills. Like I was going on this rant about how you don't need skills and like, I don't like skill lists. And um, he was brought up a really valid point though he's Lay like it on me skills are good for that new player who sits down and looks at you and then doesn't know what to do they can at least look at the list to get an idea of what to do and i said I yes disagree. but then it becomes a crutch like it becomes yeah, a crutch exactly and, and then you never develop the muscles no, like if you use exactly. training wheels all the time you don't develop that's exactly 100 percent it yeah. you, if you develop because my argument's always been skill lists are buttons to push well one yeah. of the downsides with osr is what i like to call the Chekhov's gun thing where when i walk into a room and you describe the organ that's in the room 
it's there for a purpose. To and set on if fire. the purpose is not for me to go up and do something with it to advance the story, but instead to press a button and there's a 50% chance everyone in the party dies, that's a problem. That's a Chekhov's gun problem because I've now shown you a thing and it's purely there to randomly kill you. Right. And and if there if you're going to put something in your game, if I'm going to show you a gun early on in the game, the gun had better get shot by the end of the game. Otherwise, well, it doesn't need to be there. That so, organ serves no purpose no. other than to kill people. No, and oh, it's it's there just to be a trap. Well, and yeah. it's like that, that's our not games are true, though, though, is it? On that in that module, the, it doesn't organ, do anything. The organ doesn't have any other purpose other than to kill the players. I thought well, that the everything organ in the dungeon had. should kill a player. Like essentially, that's like you reward. It's it's sticking carrot for a dungeon but a dungeon essentially the pendant has a purpose outside of that room the I'm, organ exists to just kill people i'm gonna look through death thrust doom again because i'm pretty sure that the organ connects to something else I'm you can play sure. some songs on Dear it and almost all of them are listening are to this they have some negative Ignore effect everything on the about death frost, <laughs> death frost doom you just fucking heard but it's it's one of those interesting things just because you i i remember looking at it at the time and i was like oh, okay this must have and then i read it and it's like oh the first time you press a key it shoots spores in the air everybody has to make a save if they roll under a 10 they die and it's like oh on a d20 on a d20 so it's like oh cool so uh, there's so, a 49 percent. it's less than that but, but, but there's a 40 some percent chance that you just die for no reason but that's part of like the charm of osr is it it's it's fucking it's it's you know it's brutal yeah it's it's, it's battle royale brutal it's battle royale it's it's you know you're just trying to survive more than but, anything else with what, a thin veil of like getting glory or riches one of my favorite games I ever ran was a warhammer fantasy role play game second edition and it was so fun it was so fucking fun we had so much fucking fun with it until it went fucking haywire, but that's a different story. We had so much fucking fun with it, um, and it was right after we had been running a lot of 3.5, and we were kind of like trying to try something a little bit different, and so I was running like a 3.5 game, which means I was having them roll dice like every two minutes, and it was like I didn't understand OSR at that point. I didn't understand that essentially what I was playing was an OSR game that had been like kind of like reissued, you know, and it was like... The thing that was so fun about it was how gritty and raw and low level and human the whole thing felt and how risky and dangerous it's I mean, there's something about that style of role playing that you will never recapture with these like crazy over the top like I'm so powerful, I'm riding yeah, a dragon through fireballs. It's two different types of role playing. Well, there's nothing wrong with gritty low level action and those sorts of things, but you you need to set that expectation with the players before yeah. they sit down oh, yeah. because well, yeah. they are so used to heroic role playing oh, that true. if you throw them into a meat grinder, they're going to have the same reaction that I did the first time they were thrown into a meat grinder where they put time and energy or whatever into their character. And then they're like, no. make a roll. Your character's dead. No, you no, go, no, no, I no. made one roll with this character and well, hold on. No, no, no. Yeah, exactly. And that's, so there's kind of like the, the line, right? Is like, people so these high hero the power creep that's happened in like these so-called high heroic games they're not necessarily heroic characters they're heroic constructs so people construct these things they're optimal constructs that people make so they spend a lot of time digging through books and trying to find out what the optimal combinations of skills and powers are Mm -hmm. so that they can have a mechanical advantage in the game they're not necessarily like what what john wick calls the big damn hero because there's nothing heroic about just walking into something knowing that you can take you know so much damage and still survive it um 
like so you can play heroic games that are still lethal but i think that the problem that sort of happened in role-playing games is that like it became focused on like designing optimal characters and when you spend an hour power and, fantasies yeah, power fantasies but but what happens is when you design it when you spend an hour and a half making a character sheet you don't want them to die very quickly and whereas osr games and a lot of story games you're making these characters so quickly that if it dies oh fucking well right yeah. 10 well, minutes well, later was, i rolled the character fast but then i because it was one of those oh make your characters and we'll meet and we'll and then i sat down and i invested backstory and i i wrote a two-page backstory for because i came in with four characters i wrote a two-page backstory for every single one of them and i remember specifically i came in i was like i've got a two-page backstory for every single one of these i made one roll with one of them and he was like your character dies uh, and i was like i didn't get into any of this stuff and yeah, was like, I, I, think, I think dead. i think i don't give a shit d- two, two points i think uh first you're right uh, expectation is critical and people should know whether or not, or not to invest that kind of time on the front end. Mm-hmm. Second is this refers back to what Diogo was talking about, which is the difference between like an OSR game and like a, a story game where in a story game, the narrative is external to the game right. and then is implanted into it. Whereas in an OSR game, the, the narrative comes from the actions of the players because in the beginning of an OSR game, you shouldn't have any connection to your character. If you've been playing your, your, your OSR game with one character for a year, you should probably feel some connection to him where you're like, oh God, I hope the fuck this guy doesn't like die on the 50-50 die roll that I have to make right, right now, you know? Yeah, but you should have that with any character really, right? Like, Because in, in any game, you're like just by the nature of role-playing games, you're going to develop a narrative. It's just how easy and what type of narrative it does. So OSR does a very specific thing which is it's it's basically a survival game the all osr games are essentially boiled down to survival like can you survive these elements that you're put into and the elements change be it ravenloft be it borrow maze be it you know uh well for anything really yeah, yeah no that's true it's yeah. true the the environment is is your primary and, antagonist and your, your, it's like a jack london novel right and your your challenge is like in, in osr in particular is like well can i can i be smart enough can i be do the smart moves to get myself out of here versus like say more on, track honestly, game it's like can i optimize on a can you get away with like with a smart role-playing game yeah, I, dis- basically, I, yeah, I, I disagree that, with the word smart i disagree with the word smart i think it's conservative with a small c can I be conservative enough? Like, can I be, I, I have to play ju- judicially. I have to play defensively. I have to conserve. I have to not take big risks. I have to kind of like evaluate things and be like, Oh, what, what does, is it, does it, is it what it appears to be? Should I progress forward? Should I go back to camp? Should I heal up? What should I do? Yeah, you see, know? that's that whole strategic element to games that it's just kind of like, I don't, see I, that I don't know strategic. that I love it as much as that, I do just a more narrative kind of expectation yeah, where you, it's, I'm going towards a story. There's some kind of thing or truth that I'm searching out. I mean, okay, okay. You and I, you and I both use the word strategic. And we both use it, use the word tactical, and we mean different things when we say them. So, I mean, I hearing your definition, mm-hmm. like... I, I see what you're saying. I mean, I, I don't know. I've kind of, at this point... Because it's resource management to me when it's like, oh, do I go back to camp and do I heal? Do I go do this thing? What's the likelihood of it killing me? You're running all these math scenarios through your head. Whereas to me, I'm just kind of much more interested in, I guess, 
building a world and building a story and slowly peeling back the layers for people. And, and I guess it's two different styles of role play. Neither one's better I, than the no, other. No, no, absolutely two not. Different approaches. Absolutely not. But, and there, but there's, again, it's, again, it's always, there's a right tool for a right job. Right. So like if for you, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't play an OSR game. I would, I would throw you more towards a dungeon world game versus, you know, you know, Brendan, I'd definitely throw like a DCC game or a Lamentations game because they're both very close. See, the thing is, though, is that I feel like my Lamentations game that I'm running is very narrative. And when people, like, for instance, not this last week, this last week we didn't do any combats, we didn't do any exploration. It was just characters talking to each other because they had a dilemma, kind of like a ship in the bottle episode for Star Trek or something like that. But the week before that, they'd been, they had been uh, exploring a temple. And when the characters withdrew from the temple, it wasn't because they were looking at their character sheet and saying like, oh, I don't have any more healing surges and I used my daily already and I don't know if there's going to be a boss monster at the end of this room or not. It was because they were afraid of dying. And they were like, they were like, fucking shit, there's all these fucking shit trying to kill us. We got to get the fuck out of here. And to me, that was much more visceral and much more, much more real than like these kind of like new level games where people are all like, Oh, checked off all my boxes and shit. I need to go and like recharge my resources. You know? Yeah, I get it. I I understand where you're coming from. And there definitely is that. I I think because we're running such (laughs) very different game systems, because 13th age very much does have that, Oh, I used these abilities and I don't my have daily. them anymore. I yeah. use my yeah, I use my once a day until I take an extended rest ability, so therefore I don't want to go into a big fight. And, you know, I'm running thirteenth age, so there's that. Whereas you're running Lamentations, where it's just there's constant danger, it's constant threat of being so, killed. Oh, yeah, so it's I'll horrifying. shift this whole thing to a totally different level. So go. I just got in from Kickstarter, I got um uh, Cthulhu Dark in. And so Cthulhu Dark. Oh yeah, because they just did that, didn't they? Yeah, did yeah, yeah. The, the Kickstarter for Cthulhu Dark. So Cthulhu Dark um, kind of goes into like our next segment, almost right. So Cthulhu Dark. Yeah, we're kind of just blending into that yeah. anyway. So go ahead. Cthulhu Dark is uh, start off. It's basically it's a one page or two page um, Lovecraftian system. It's you can people a lot of times use this two page. Uh, game to run Call of Cthulhu Adventures, and it's very light. It's very quick. It's very easy, and um, for a lot of people, it it does a better job of running Call of Cthulhu than the actual Call of Cthulhu system, the basic role playing system. Um, so I was fascinated by it when I read it, and and um, and like I said, originally it was just like one or two pages, and that's it. Like there wasn't a whole lot there, um, and maybe it was just where I was at at that time, but it like, it didn't, it didn't click for me where I could use that to run call of Cthulhu adventures. It felt like there was still like some stuff missing there and I didn't quite get some things. Um, but I backed it. And, um, but in the meantime, since between the time that I backed it and then, uh, now, or actually even before, um, I started writing fear and reason. So Cthulhu dark was a big influence for me to write in fear and reason. Cause I had, I had read, Cthulhu Dark. I had read Feelings and Lasers. And I was like, two great tastes that taste great together. And I smushed them together. And that's that's fear and reason. Um, but the book for fucking uh, Cthulhu Dark is so good. It How is many pages so, is it? I don't even know. It's thick as fuck. But for seriously? Yes. But it's fucking brilliant. It is so brilliant. So the first two pages are the rules. And that's it. And then after that, it basically re 
puts down the rules in the rule book, but explains sort of the the theory of how it should work. Oh, so it okay. explains to you, okay, so the first two pages are the rules. And you, and if you're smart enough, and maybe it's just I'm not that fucking smart, but if you're smart enough, you should be able to take that and run with it and have a really great game. And maybe that's what everyone was talking about. But it wasn't until those like other like 10 pages after that where it's it, it tells you this is how you use these really condensed rules to build a narrative and uh, and and so the here's how these rules should work and it, and it tells you how to play the game with those rules it's fucking brilliant writing it's so good the writing is is top notch it's some of the best stuff i've read then uh this dude breaks down he wrote a book called stealing cthulhu which um, basically breaks down how to run lovecraftian games and what their story elements are and then how to relate those to rpgs what's this dude's name do you know uh, Graham Weasley, I think. Okay, Graham cool. Wesley. All right, so Graham, Gra- Graham Wesley Weasley, yeah. uh, Cthulhu Dark, yeah. and Stealing Cthulhu. No, yeah, excellent. All right, go. So, um, so the next part of the book is is basically how to build a mystery and run it um, uh, effectively and and concisely, and basically only using elements, but then sort of building off of them to still create a narrative, a cooperative narrative game. And he tells you sort of what the things are that you need to have in there. So my impression from reading it was like, if you if you sort of start to grok all this theory that he writes in there, and you start applying it to sort of a very loose narrative game, you're gonna have a really good fucking adventure. And he breaks it down to little chunks that make sense. And, it's, it's, and then the rest of the book is actually like four different settings and adventures to write in so it's it's just a really great book and if no other reason if you're into like narrative games it's fucking brilliant to read to understand how to build mystery and how to build um horror games it's really good well that sounds like a really good recommendation is it i mean you said it was kickstarter is it available openly yet or is he still sending out like hard copies um i don't know if i don't know if it's out for sale yet but i mean i assume it's going to be because it's just it's and it's in so the thing that struck me first is i I kickstarted it and i was like oh okay cool whatever um and you know i'm used to you know the indie game scene everything is like digest size yeah but no this is and and i was like well of course it's going to be digest it's two fucking pages with a bunch of other stuff right so of course it's going to be digest size but no what comes in is a full size big beautiful book interesting interesting and um so yeah so it's kind of one of those really cool artifact books to have nice yeah nice yeah that gets me thinking is there a way to really run a horror game with specifically with regard to masquerade in the way that they've kind of retooled it in v5 is there a way to run a horror game with like a set thing like a blood pool or do you have to move to a more advanced system like they were trying to do in the new one with the hunger system where it's kind of more fungible um because like you were saying you get to that strategic point where you're like oh i only yeah. have five blood points left out of yeah. 10 and i want to go reach out whereas you know in in fifth I make a bad roll and suddenly my hunger jumps from one to four. That's, um, that's been a big problem in Masquerade over the years. Yeah, it, just, it becomes it, it, very tactical. It seems like that that was their attempt to address it. I don't I don't think they dialed it in quite right. But I'm hearing you talk about that game and hearing you talk about Lamentations, it it kind of makes me wonder if that wasn't what they're going for. If they're not trying to get back to that more 
horrific visceral experience. Well, I, I think so. And I think that their kind of attack on the idea of the blood point was like right on the money because what the fuck is a blood point? Right. That but doesn't mechanically, make any fucking it just sense. with the rest of their game, it doesn't yeah. gel. Hey, exactly. And I don't know how to fix that for them. Remember there was like at some point in like the 90s, I remember us having this like this idea of and I don't know if it was in a book or what, but this idea made its rounds, uh, the rounds through our group that a blood point was worth a pint of blood. And then it was like... <laughs> because well, it was described a blood bag, drinking a blood bag uh, oh, right. would restore a blood point. Therefore, a blood point was exactly equal to a pint, a pint of, of blood, blood because a blood bag is a pint of blood. But then there's like, there's like all these like fucking antediluvians and shit and they've got like all these like, oh, I've got like a blood pool of like 30 so mm-hmm. i can i can like drink 30 pints of blood and you're going and how does has he swollen or <laughs> yeah i remember yeah. having these conversations with you and and, and ben being all like like Ooh, how, you've let yourself go like yeah. how do they fit the blood inside right. like how do they get it in there mm-hmm. you know is it kind of like do they, they don't use it they don't yeah. use their organs anymore so they just yeah. like is it like they're a big are they a big blood bag anyway what, are what they like trans- and frost it, in yeah, blade where they're just entirely <laughs> made of blood what is it called a Trans, was it a trans transmutation like like the body of Christ like literally yeah, yeah. that's transubstantiation transubstantiation. Yeah, transubstantiation there you go it's, it's Catholics uh, they're Catholics. the worst <laughs> fucking nerds but yeah there's a way to do horror right and there's there's definitely like a a, a formula to it and that book is really good no which, there's not Jim stop fucking raining on me and Adam's parade it's all completely just it's, like it's one pint it's, of blood it's, it's creative genius and if you don't have it you don't have I, it yeah I don't have just, it just just walk off a pier I'm fucking lost you don't and there's I was no lost. formula working uh, so reading that book it started like really like so there was things in in Cthulhu Dark that really was making me happy that um, like the combat system is very close to mine um, it's very close to what I had written for for fear and reason so I was happy that I'm in the right direction but I, I was kind of getting lost in a couple things so I hit up of all people um, James Vale oh good yeah good and, uh, how's that read, guy doing oh Jesus that guy's fucking brilliant great like, he's brilliant he like he read it and like like it's late at night because i guess he works late and yeah and he was just like firing off just all this stuff like hey what about this hey what about this hey what about this and uh and he gave me like he, he made me think about things a little bit differently and uh just a fucking brilliant guy another guy who knows how to distill down yeah like sort of elements into uh manageable playable chunks like ha- and I mean, okay, I know we're a little bit off the subject here, but you've seen all the work that he's been releasing on, yeah, on Facebook. The art, oh, the art is, is fucking ridiculous. It's gonna be, it's it's so the good. Art and, is so like, and they how just the sent fuck out. Does this guy like write and draw? Like what? Like, I know he's not it's ridiculous. Human. It's really, uh, it's really like unfair. It's ridiculously unfair in a certain way. But um, they sent out the pledge manager for uh. For Zasarkala. Yeah. And while he is a little bit late, which is fine, everybody is late, it's okay, it's his first game, I'm not dogging him for that at all. I'm so surprised by how fast it is going to be coming out. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm so stoked to get my Zasarkala book. Well, the, the rules for Zasarkala were really good. Like, I, I liked it. Like, he sent me he sent me some of the rules to take a look at. I guess because you told him that, like, I'm really into the light games. And Oh, I was, did I tell him that? Yeah. yeah. He was like, hey. These yeah. conversations all blended into Yeah. One. He, he hit me up and he sent me a copy of the rules. And so I've been looking at his rules. And, and they're pretty good, man. Like, good. I, I kind of get what he's doing. Did you back it? 
Uh, yeah, I think I did, yeah. Okay, I yeah. hope so. I hope so, you did. I hope you did. Uh, um, but yeah, on oh, the fucking art, Jesus Christ. Oh, the, the art, art, dude, the art. Yeah, I was okay. going to say, the have art you, Have you said brilliant. that? Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. Jesus fucking Looks Christ. so good. The, what, what's so great about the art that he's been releasing is that, um, and if you're not following the fucking Zosser Kala Facebook page, like, fucking do it. Or on Insta. Or Instagram. Come, Instagram. come on yeah. now, guys. Atramentos, Atramentos Games. Anyway, um, the art that he has been releasing is so in sync with the game that he described in the original manuscript for nightmares of dead dreamers that we read. Mm -hmm. And I was, cause I remember like getting so excited for that game being like the setting, the setting, the setting. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was like, I just wish there was more of this in there. And now the art is going to be there backing that up. And I'm just so fucking hyped for that game. I haven't seen a game with art direction that tie that marries as closely to, the setting um since second edition vampire the masquerade like wow like it's pinned to each other yeah he's doing an excellent job yeah and, i think that part of it and is, i think it's amazing i think the, the brilliance kind of, of that, that is because it's, it's one guy it's like one vision it's like a right. writer director mm-hmm. right? like yeah. i i'm i'm just so uh happy that we met him when we did he's he's going places and uh it's i, I mean yeah, we're, we're we're it's an embarrassment of riches here at Full RPG, kind of like just getting to hang out with Diogo, Justin, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. James, fucking ridiculous, man, fucking ridiculous. Justin the, doing some crazy shit too. Like, just, oh dude, Justin's God. Justin's off the off every the day. Scale. I look at Instagram just to see like what the fuck did he post it's, today? It's what crazy. weird shit is Justin yeah, what, what, what is he doing? Today? It's crazy, and man. And then when it's not that, then he he hits me with the fucking with the glitter dungeon, and I'm like, I want the fucking glitter dungeon now. Have yep. you seen the glitter dungeon, dude? I haven't I really. I haven't been on dungeon. social media. I have been on social media sabbatical. He, he's doing his dungeon been, tiles, and he put like like glitter on them. And you know what? That's I want that. Like I need fucking glitter dungeon you just get regular dungeon house do your own glitter just man. throw glitter on it yeah, yeah. Just throw glitter on but it. i think it's like baked in and that's so good yeah. oh that is cool yeah. so it sparkles yeah, like a, yeah, like yeah, a dungeon yeah. wood nice um all right so we got some projects we've been all been working on um who wants to talk about their projects who wants to talk about their projects who wants to talk about their personal games like should we start what should we start with personal games or projects Look, Let's go personal games, games. Like, yeah. why not personal games okay so i've been running limitations of the flame princess for um our friday night rpg club i've been getting a real lot out of that um what do i say about that game except that uh limitations continues to surprise and challenge me it continues to no, i won't say surprise and challenge it's a it continues to surprise and delight me it's uh so fun getting to sit down with people from all different kinds of backgrounds and the way that they experience role playing and on some level interacting with people when they realize they have that moment where they're like, Oh Christ, I don't just have to sit here like managing resources. I get to play my character like by being freed of the complex character sheet. I am now given this opportunity to play a character. And um, I started off with what I thought was a very simple premise, and the premise continues to evolve, and the players in a very kind of like like narrative story game kind of way have been like putting so much in. And I mean, <clears throat> while I would love to just lay it all down at the feet of, of limitations for being this brilliant work of genius, or take credit for it myself and say like, oh God, I'm just such a fucking next level storyteller. Everybody's going to get on my page. 
the fact of the matter is, is over the last two years of Full Metal RPG, I've been interacting with um, amazing developers, amazing GMs. I've been exposed to so many games I never would have been exposed to before. I've run a ton of shit, and it's all it's all coming together in a game that I'm just having so much fun playing. So that's, I mean, I haven't run anything other than Lamentations. My uh, Ravenous game is on hold while I'm rewriting the, the system. Um, I keep kind of wanting to run something else, and I don't know. I, I, I was like, oh, maybe I should run 13th Age as like a guilty pleasure, and then I'm like, well, maybe I should do like a Warhammer narrative campaign or whatever. I mean, but the fact of the matter is, is uh, Full Metal RPG Friday Night Role Playing Club has become a staple in my life. It's become kind of a hub around which I can plan my time. And that Lamentations of the game of the Flame Princess game is just incredibly rewarding. So I think that that speaks to something that like, especially in the last like I don't know maybe two years or since like I've been doing Crit Hit is like if you want to be a better GM, you have to know other game systems. Like, like, let's say, let's say just fucking Pathfinder is just your shit and that's all you will ever run. You will never run anything except for Pathfinder. You owe it to your players to know how the mechanics for Dungeon World work, how the mechanics for 13 Eighth work, how the mechanics for Limitations work. You have to see what other people are doing with, you know, this, you know, with the hobby and then sort of just by knowing these things you're gonna you're gonna put them in your game you're gonna make your game better like your limitations game has benefited you from seeing things like other systems like seeing yeah yeah i'm not playing dungeon world but to say that dungeon world doesn't influence the way i run limitations would be a lie yeah so you you got to just know systems it's true it's true all right what are you what are you playing jim I what am you getting, got, dude? Uh, let's see, uh, tonight I actually uh, was lucky that my, uh, my my group decided to let me off the hook for tonight, but um, I have a monthly uh, 7C game that we're starting. We, we already did our uh, oh, you character, did your character creation. creation, right? Yeah, we did character creation, and then tomorrow we're going to set sail, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, me and Richard Newby are getting ready to start uh, Deadlands. So that should be You're good. You're co-GM in there, right? Yeah, we're going to do like a round-robin GM. So. Let me know how that works. Oh, round-robin GM. Yeah. Ooh, that's, that's avant-garde. Yeah. So what we're going to do basically like one-shots that are loosely tied together, and that way we can each sort of take turns. That's kind of interesting. Is it like, uh, I don't know, like, what was that? Planet Terror and... 13 Kinda, rooms yeah, or yeah, whatever yeah. like a tarantino robert rodriguez joint so we want to have basically like a group of people that go around investigating i live in the shit. 90s perpetually it's yes. how i contextualize everything that's yeah, a it's a four rooms kind of a thing like, right oh, yeah, yeah four yeah. rooms not 13 go. rooms yeah yeah. yeah yeah um and so we're gonna do that um i'm getting kind of pulled into running a once a month dcc game so we'll see how that goes um i've been playing sharp swords and sinister spells with my kids Oh wow! Um, good. Who fucking ran with it? Like I was. Re- I'm always surprised by like how good kids are at role playing. Like they're better role playing than adults. They're, they're be- <laughs> Depends on their age. <laughs> just sort of, yeah. But like, they're just they don't they're not they don't have like that like ah oh, fuck you know how do I get around this mechanically? They don't care. They just want to like do things like the way that right. they imagine. That. I, I think role playing is really like a better conduit for like adults to find themselves in a childlike mechanic than it is for children to move into the world of adults because 
kids role play spontaneously mm-hmm. and they and and, and they do and it they naturally with, with very little discussion uh, you just right. go like i remember being a kid and going up to another kid on the playground being like i remember the first shadow running game i ever played on some level was like i told these kids these are kids i was like i got this book called shadow run and it's about it's about the future but there's magic and let's play that together and we we're like they were like okay and we like ran around the playground going pew 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 pew, pew. i'm the corporate security guards i'm shooting you, you know, it was weird <laughs> i was a weird kid anyway you were like you're saying you're, you were 19 at the time so that was, what we were. <laughs> that was yesterday <laughs> so uh so that was that and um and then i'm trying to squeeze in one shots of uh of fear and reason as i can because I, I think i I think I finally have it down. Like, man, yeah. you're running a lot. Yeah, it's but it's all like once a month stuff, so it really isn't. So like, like you know, I'm I'm doing Seven C tomorrow. Yeah, it's up, dude. We're gonna do you know I'm gonna do Deadlands and all this other stuff. So yeah. What are you, what are you running, Adam? Uh, I'm still running Thirteenth Age at the Full Metal RPG Club, and you know, as I was discussing earlier, Thirteenth Age is the best when it's weird, um, and so running it with that. The uh, Lamentations module, Death Frost Doom, has really kind of helped that along and really kind of expedited the the edge of weirdness. It, it could easily bog down into like tactical and all of that stuff, but it's a far more narrative game than a lot of D&D games are. Um, and it really yeah. is kind of a, a game that marries narrative elements into those kind of tactical crunchy elements. I think um, it was way ahead on that in a certain it, way. It really was. I feel like it was kind of next level in that regard and it kind of pushed some boundaries that I don't know that people were really ready for when it came out, but I, I can't recommend it highly enough. And I really think more people should check it out. I think it's a, you know, if nothing else, it's a fascinating artifact of its time. Um, and just kind of a really interesting look into game design and what I think a lot of what fourth E was trying to do that it ultimately didn't do because it was burdened with a lot of the, the, um, the open RPG license and Pathfinder and expectations that was going into it. Um, I think it's a really fascinating kind of game and, and I've been having a ton of fun running it and playing it. And I've been, you know, fortunate enough to have good players who are willing to indulge me in my flights of fancy with it and all of the strangeness and oddity that has kind of gone on with it. Where it shines best is where it does head away from traditional rpg tropes and storytelling like i have that shadows over uh eldolin book mm-hmm. the adventure and it's oh, just a it's very bad. railroady crappy adventure Wait. and then you get eyes of the stone Thie- stone thief which is this completely bonkers off the wall kind of thing that people love and rave about and it's i, I think that's the dividing line for 13th age is if you want to run one of these really linear, go here, do this, go here to, it doesn't excel at that. But if you want to go off in a different direction with it, I think it really supports that. Nice. So we got a bunch of personal projects we've all been working on. Um, I guess I'll start with that too. So, uh, after kind of like, Deciding that I wanted to do a complete rewrite on Ravenous, I spent a bunch of time kind of like spinning my wheels and not really understanding what it is I wanted to do with that game. So um, I'm very fortunate in that I ran into newbie, Richard newbie, who's been on the show a couple times, at a game store, and uh, I wasn't playing a miniatures battle game, but I was watching one, and he and I just kind of hung out for a little bit, and we we hashed out some of what was going on with the game, and... uh, the conversation that we had broke my block and I came home. I wrote a new system 
for Ravenous. So Ravenous, when it comes out, will have a completely... I'm not going to say completely unique, because... <laughs> Spoilers, kids. I borrowed some shit that I like from other places. However, it's an amalgamation of different things that I like, and um, that will make it or- original, quote unquote. It's going to have its own system, is what I'm trying to say. So that the system itself has been written. Um, now it's just time for me to sit down and uh, write the game over again. And uh, I think now that I'm in a writing zone, having you know, crushed out this blog post and um, having my mind back in that. I think it's it's time to get to get the fires going again on that. So I'm stoked. I'm stoked for doing that. In terms of other personal projects, do I have anything? Not really. Not really. I wish I I wish I could say so. I still got a bunch. If 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 you're Christopher Gray or or uh, Jamie uh, at Rex, then your episodes are still coming out. And I have your audio. They will be released. Um, forthwith. Anyway. Um, who, who else has got projects? Projects. Uh, fear and Reason. Like I said, James Vale uh, just totally helped solidify, I think, the, the last couple pieces that Fear and Reason needed. Uh, so I can go into playtesting and hopefully I can kickstart that uh, later in the year. I'm thinking about kickstarting it at Crit Hit, actually. Ooh, neat. Um, and then I did some writing because I did some traveling, some unfortunate traveling um, that was not planned. And so I found myself with a lot of time sitting down. And so I started writing um, the stuff for Mandela Effect and really kind of fleshing out what that what sort of theme that game was supposed to have and, and the feel and how it fits into sort of a meta narrative. And then... I I guess, so I write to music um, a lot. And so I started like kind of spiraling down this musical uh, rabbit hole. So somehow I made the game Mandela Effect actually spin off two other games that all tie it together into one cohesive world because I decided that Mandela Effect as, as as a game was only one piece of a puzzle. And then I had to, add two other pieces to it to sort of make it complete. So um, I inadvertently made way more fucking work, but I'm only going to focus on like basically one game at a time. So it's going to be Mandela effect and then whatever the next one is. And then whatever the one after that, like I already know what they are, but I'm just going to do sort of one game at a time. They all use the same system. They're just different aspects of, of the same universe, so to speak. It's an embarrassment of creative riches. Oh no, it's terrible. Yeah, no shit. It's fucking terrible. But, um, but that was really good because uh, listening to music, and just kind of sitting down, you know, with a laptop by myself with like nothing. Like I literally, I was trapped. I cannot do anything else. I can't wander any place. Like I was just sitting. So um, I just started kind of cranking this out. And, and, and I think I have a good framework to kind of start working on the system itself. So next year, that'll be my project. Cool. Cool, cool. Adam. I've been struggling with uh, marrying the voice that I wanted the adventure I'm writing to have with kind of the more uh, traditional uh, role-playing adventure elements. Um, Like I have these pieces to plug in of these things that you can go do, but they're not particularly, I guess, like kind of irreverent or funny. Um, And so that's that's where i've been stuck lately is just how do i 
how do I work these in while at the same time maintaining the kind of very rapid fire pace and, and humor and fun that I want this thing to have. Comedy's fucking hard. Like, it's real hard. That's and, why I loved when I read it. I was like, this is so fucking funny and so fucking great. Like, right. Cause comedy's so hard to do. And yeah, I can it, understand that's that. been the part where I've been struggling and I was, to, you know, like you said, doing listening to music, I was, I put on, um, black star by Bowie and that's was, not funny <laughs> right it's and i was like trying album. to write it and i'm sitting there and it just got real dark real fast <laughs> that motherfucker died maybe. yeah it uh well because it was the anniversary of his death yeah. and i was like oh i'm just gonna oh because that happened recently to your anniversary it was the ninth right and try so, not to cry lay down and cry <laughs> yeah and i'm like sitting there and i'm just like oh this is fine yeah so um that's what i've been fighting with lately is just how do i how do i get all of these elements to work together um i'll figure it out it's just a puzzle for now mine was uh gary newman's new album oh okay god damn that's a fucking fantastic album you have to hear this one man i'll have to check it's, that one out i haven't listened to it oh uh, it is it, it's like gary newman over the last 10 years is like perfected a sound and it all comes together in this one album nice so i saw adam ant was coming and i thought about grabbing tickets to that but uh gary newman it's all about gary newman he ha- the, haven't the done that yet. well that sounds like everybody's been really busy Trying to stay busy. And then a bunch of Warhammer bullshit. So, but we're not talking about that. Yeah, we'll skip that. We'll get buried in Crit Hit. Yeah, I mean, why don't you go ahead and, and let everybody know what's going on with Crit Hit, man? I mean, because I thought you were going to cover that in your in your projects. Oh, that's yeah. Not no. a project? Yeah, well, that's a that's a whole separate project. Um, well, so Crit Hit, on Crit Hit, about lots Crit of changes, Hit, lots of stuff for Crit Hit. So, Crit Hit 3. Um, so, we took a, a lot of the stuff from last year. So, Credit 3, um, this year, some of the shifts are going to be, uh, it's growing um, in terms of like just scope and size. So, there's going to be um, uh, more board games this year. Uh, board games are going to be focused on a couple of different areas, which are uh, ad- what I call adventure games. So, dungeon in a box games. So, like I own a bunch of D&D board games and they're fucking great to play. They're a lot of fun. Um, but I never get to play them because it's like, well, I might as well just play a role-playing game. But right. these games do provide an experience. Like that is Descent really, and Doom. Yeah, and, Descent. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and Doom right. and all those. And they're really great. And, and I never get to play them because, you know, people who like board games tend to kind of turn their noses a little bit at like the Ameritrash kind of games like that. So I'm going after that. And then indie games because Crit is about indie games. And uh, I'm expanding, you know, there's going to be a giant room for Pathfinder and D&D that I'm calling uh, the the Dragon Hall. So it's going to be just its own section that's like 860 feet um, hall just for D&D and Pathfinder. Um, we're going to do panels. We're going to focus this year on panels, which Brendan's taking charge of. So everyone is entertained and informed. And, and you know, Brendan has like this really uh, almost uh, academic... Uh, like a college professor kind of mentality about role-playing games and, and world building and personalities and all these things. Like he, he just thinks at that level, he's, he's not in the room. So that's why I can, I can gloat on him. Cause I fuck him. Yeah, fuck Brandon. Um, and then, uh, so there's that. And then of course, role-playing games, um, which Adam's going to help 
It's, it's basically FM RPG con. Like I was thinking yeah, about that the other day. I was like, you motherfuckers just hijacked the con. This like, is going to be the biggest mistake you've ever made. Just so you know, this, this is going to be the ruin. <laughs> this is going to drag you into ruin and destroy your con forever. Just um, so, you know. so RPGs are going to change. So one of one like the, the so the the biggest um, the biggest area of improvement or the biggest thing that the people sort of talked about was sort of the noise level. Mm-hmm. And, and I struggled with this last year. I, I you know, I, I tried to figure out how to, how to do it, but there's only so much you can do with the way that that layout in that hotel was. Right. And, and with cons in general, just being the way they are, you, yeah. you have to stick multiple people. Well, you don't have to, but you tend to stick multiple people in a room together and, right. and the most animated or the loudest table is going to win. Exactly. And, and so that was a big, a big thing. Like it was, it was, it was a big thing from day one is like, how do, how can we make the, the, the experience of playing RPGs um, better. And, and it's always been about that. Like crit hit is, you know, started off as just being an RPG con and now we're moving to board games. But, but in the end, it's all about the experience of these games that we love. It's about the experience of the game hobby. So the biggest feedback that, that we got for RPGs was the noise level. And it's like I said, something I struggled with when I first, my first convention that I ever went to period was actually in Denver and it was a gaming convention and I had been running uh, call of Cthulhu for a couple of years on like maybe like two years or something like that. And, um, I wanted to go play. So I went to this gaming convention. I'd never been to a convention before. I was totally in awe and I'm looking around and there's all these tables and rooms and people, you know, all kinds of people playing D and D and playing all kinds of just like cool games that I hadn't only heard of, but never actually seen like, like the Ghostbusters role-playing game. I saw that and like, it was just all a bunch of weird shit. So there then I, like Ghostbusters. Yeah, role. There, yeah there was. Huh. And, um, and, uh, and, uh, I think somebody had like an aliens role-playing game, I want to say, but either way, like, Oh, that was the one that was yeah, based off of all of the, like the Bram Stoker's Dracula. It was based yeah, off all the movie. Uh, but the, ghost, the Ghostbusters is a WEG game, it's right? It's a WEG game. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, but then I'm like, all right. So uh, I remember asking some guys that I was talking with, I was like, Hey, I, I gotta go play this Call of Cthulhu game. And I was like, I don't know where this is. And they're like, oh, that's in a hotel room. You got to go like upstairs, like to the third floor and just look for the hotel room. That's, that's what that means. And so, you know, I grew up in LA where like, you just don't trust anything. Really. Yeah. You don't go to a random hotel yeah. room because you're going to wake up with no kidneys. And so, yes, yeah, so I'm walking towards this call. Har- Harvey Weinstein's like pulling you into oh, the hotel yeah. room. He's just like, come here, little boy. And so, um, it's in like, then I met Gary Feldman and it was weird. Um, so I'm walking up toward this room thinking this is exactly how people get killed in fucking the type of horror game that I'm going to go play right, and this yeah. is not going to end well but lo and behold I open the room and it's a suite and uh, there's a you know a, a bunch of really old guys actually playing Call of Cthulhu like I, that's when I first learned that Call of Cthulhu was an older role playing it never occurred to me that there would be older people playing it but um, so I played this game and it was amazing um, it changed my life literally like I went home and like divorced my wife <laughs> Because of the game, oh, it's a whole other story about Thanks how. Thanks for hey, nothing, uh, Sam. Hey, honey, how sin. was the con? Fuck you, I'm divorced. Yeah, Fuck that, you. Literally, that's kind of what. It, yeah, I was like, uh, so. Long story short, it made me so happy. I was like, yeah, you know what? I don't, I don't want to live with you anymore. <laughs> like, I, I, I just want to do this. Yeah, nice. <laughs> this is better than real life. You ruined my life, and you know what's great? Monsters from another dimension. That's what? more preferable. <laughs> so I always that was always sort of my first impression of gaming at a convention was playing in this really intimate setting. And Call of Cthulhu was kind of like my wheelhouse and horror games have always been sort of my wheelhouse of what I like to do. And I've always wanted to do that. That's why I had like the smaller rooms at Crit Hit. So this year we're going to change venues. Um, we're going to go to the Doubletree Hilton Airport Hotel 
and we're going to have 13 living room suites. So these are suites with like a bedroom, like a separate bedroom and then a separate living room with like couches and a table to really sort of almost emulate that play at home kind of vibe. And so outside of Pathfinder and D&D, which are going to be like in the big hall, like this big grandiose hall, um, most of the indie games and smaller games are going to be played in these really quiet, intimate settings um, at this hotel. And that's, that's like a big change for Crit Hit. Is uh, I think that's I think that's that's the thing that credit was missing was was making them even more intense. Um, uh, we're ditching the coin system, yay! Hey, uh, so that was a little confusing for some people. Crit hits all a big experiment. Um, it's all one big experiment. There's no formula. So yeah, so we're getting rid of that. Um, and I'm doing a 180 degree turn where like the first year I was like, no, no, no online signups. Second year, no online signups. Absolutely not. This year we're going to do some online signups and then I'm taking a page and I'm doing something that people have suggested I did from day one. Um, it only took me two years to listen to them. Uh, we're going to do basically like a, um, like a roundup call. Um, very simple system, very efficient for shifting players to the right games at, at the right time. So it, it's going to be a really good system as far as uh, rounding up your players and then immediately being able to see which games have too many players and which games have too few and giving players an opportunity to shift to another game if they so choose. Because, you know, you show up to a game and like me, if I show up to a game and there's like seven people playing, I don't want to play it. I do not want to play a six or seven people person game. That's not my, that's not my thing. It, if I see there's another game, if I'm in a six player game and I see there's another game that only has like two players, I'll rethink that game and go, go play the, the two player game. You know, so it's only three of us playing. That's, that's, that's where you and I diverge. Cause I immediately played the six player game. Cause then I don't actually have to play. I can just sit there and draw while everybody else plays. Yeah. And I listen, I, I don't want to do that. Like that's not my thing. Um, but more people I can power game on. I can flex on. Let's flex on him. Like, flex on him. Take that. Yeah. I spend my barbarian rage to attack you. That's right. Like, I stab what? you in the what? eye. What? what do you do about it? I stab you in the eye. So, Cold yeah. shot in the eye. And those are all the things for Crit Hit. Those are all sort of the, Sweet. the ideas that, that are percolating and getting ready to launch. <laughs> so, but yeah, when well, is the launch? We will see if you regret That's, inviting us to help you. Make <laughs> <it is everything. laughs> I guarantee I'll rage. So last year was the last year of Crit Hit. And, uh, yeah. no. So, so, um, so tell us, man. Here's the, here's the thing: is I talk to a lot of people about Crit Hit, and I'm always out there trying to get motherfuckers to come. And the first question they always ask me is, "When is it? When is, it, when is Crit Hit?" And I go, "Well, well, homie, I'll tell you when I know." So, Jim, when's Crit Hit? All right. So Crit Hit is going to be officially July 13th, 14th, and 15th. Officially July 13th through 15th, 2018. 2018 phoenix arizona all right guys that's when crit hit is gonna be and we're gonna get some other fuckers out here because because believe it or not there are people in the world who want to travel to this thing and we gotta tell them when it is what we need to as swag is those little misty fan things misty fan things that's a good idea i'm gonna get some misty fans uh, and so you notice i said three days so friday is gonna be like a rpg night so there's gonna so we're still gonna have the meetup at the bar but there's still gonna be some programming on friday night for those who don't can it be judgment night can be we can call it sweet i'm gonna be dennis leary yeah 
Oh, yeah. I like how you took that one right away. Yeah, sorry. Isn't Steven Dorf in that as like a kid? I don't know. I think I'll be Steven Dorf. How about that? Is Steven Dorf in it? I think he's very young, Steven Dorf. Sure. Young, young Dorf. Yes. So that's uh, that's the, the highs and lows of Crit Hit 3. Sweet. Uh, now, there's a Kickstarter. Is, there, is that right? It's coming yes. up. And uh, when, when, Jim, is the Kickstarter? Uh, the Kickstarter is going to be on January 16th. Tuesday, January 16th, we're going to kick. All right. All right. So, so seriously, motherfuckers, you're listening to this right now. Hopefully, it's January 15th, which is when this is this episode drops. So tomorrow. Kickstarter is live tomorrow. All right. Don't wait. Don't wait, guys. Yeah, get in. Let's on. do this thing. How many it's, days is it? It's going to run uh, 45 days, just like it did last year. We need the full 45 days because it's a bigger it's a bigger scope of what we're doing, like getting all the rooms, getting, you know, the halls, getting getting everything that we're getting. Paying to. my appearance fee. The appearance fee alone is like a big part of the budget. Yeah. Um, is yeah I don't get the appearance expensive. fee. I don't. I'm like Mark Wahlberg when he had to do those reshirts for that Kevin Spacey movie. Like, yeah, you got to pay me. You gotta, it's just a ridiculous Fuck amount. you, pay me. I, I. Oh, your building burned down? Fuck actually, you, pay me. I will be paying to be there. Adam's getting paid to be there. Yeah. All I, right. I don't show up for free. All right. It's you know, okay. I think the deal was we supersize the combo meal. So anyway, so the supersize. I'll take care of the supersizing of your combo meals for the credit appearance. But <laughs> oh, buddy, jump in early um, because we need all the help. This is going to be one Did of those. You hear that, Adam? Yeah, that's a contract. That's a contract. It is. It's on um, on tape. It is. So yeah, so that's that's the highs and lows of it. Like get in on it um, yeah. from day one. There's going to be uh, three things on day uh, three things happening on the 16th. The Kickstarter goes live. Um, there's a portal that the hotel has set up for us. If you want to reserve a room there, that Sweet. that's live. So uh, where will people find that? Is it on the Kickstarter? It's on the Kickstarter. There's going to be a link. Okay. You can click on it, and then I'm going to have it on on CritHitAZ.com where you can click on the link and you can reserve your room because that was another thing that people asked for was like a room rate and that was unfortunately one of the reasons also why we're moving. The hotel did not want to budget, budge on room rates. Um, so 85 bucks, you get a one-bedroom suite. And when I mean one-bedroom, it's a bedroom and a door and then like a fucking living room and a kitchenette for 85 bucks. That's Dude, that's unbeatable. Yeah. Seriously, that not rate? Bad. So, and the rooms, the rooms are nice. So, I mean, like, if you want to split it, like, you can easily split that like, with four people. I think because the couch turns into a bed, too. It's one of those couch beds. But, um, so that's live. And then GM signups are live. So, get on that, fools. Yeah. So, GMs are super important. And, and that's the, that's the biggest component of crit hit, really, is the GMs. So, if you want to run something, eight hours, run eight hours of, uh, of games, and you're in the con. It's real easy. That's what, two sessions, right? Uh, two sessions, or if you're running board games, eight hours of board games. You know, it, you split it up. However, sweet, yeah. So as long as, as long that's as real time. easy. I have seen cons that ask a lot more than that. A lot more. I've been to cons that ask a lot more than that. It's <laughs> indeed. All right, guys. Well, this one's running a little long. Uh, we're gonna have to call it here. So um, I think that we will end business by referencing something that we started last last episode which is we had a contest for crit hit tickets are giving away tickets i'm trying to raise money you told us to give away tickets yeah you approved this you told us to give away tickets fuck i gotta stop drinking okay yeah all right so um the winner 
Of, didn't, you clearly ain't listened to the episodes, dude. The winner of I, last time. I was drunk when I heard that one too. Did he enter it? Then maybe he <laughs> no, wanted the to. Win, the winner like, of last of, of last month's wait, before contest. We go on, before we go on. Oh my I, god! As soon as they drop, I download them. Like if you drop them at night, they're downloaded and ready for me to drive to work listening to. I like seriously, it's the first thing that I fucking listen to. Oh well, it takes precedence over all my. That's so very very sad. Yes. Oh, oh, I need boy. to feel like I have friends that are talking to me. <laughs> I'm so lonely. All right, all right, all right. Guys, okay, so the winner of last month's episode for two tickets to Crit Hit 2018 in Phoenix, Arizona is none other than Tim Baker. Whoa, Tim Baker. Tim. You and one other person are going to Crit Hit 2018. Tell all your friends to meet you down there. And uh, Jim's going to work it out so that you're on the list and all that, all that stuff. Now, Jim, you authorized us to give away another pair of tickets. Is that right? Yeah. All right. Well, this month's episode has a new contest. Uh-huh. All right. This is, again, for two tickets. One person and your friend. You have to send us All four right. ears. Human ears. On fishing Or thumbs. Thumbs Or preferably. This one's a little bit of work, guys. This one isn't as easy to win as the last one. All right? The last one was, the four ears. The last one was so fucking easy. And I'm, 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 I have to say, I'm a little disappointed in you guys. I didn't get as many entries as I thought I would. I got some entries. Not as many as I thought I would. Okay? This one's a little bit harder. So I'm t- anticipating more entries because this one will be fun. Okay. What I want is <clears throat> a drawing of Jared Cocaine. <laughs> nice. Send me your drawings of Jared Cocaine. And I'm going to pick the best one and you're going to win a pair of tickets crit hit 2018 and you're and asterisk and, royce you can't participate and, in this uh, asterisk <laughs> james vale you definitely can't participate <laughs> yeah. in this. you better get those drawings in because time is a flat <laughs> circle we gonna keep doing the same thing over and over again i brother. want i want to see a i want to see your i want to see your interpretations of jerry cocaine all right we're working on some t-shirts we want to get some jerry cocaine cocaine oh, t-shirts out there for that. for 2018 and I want to see what you guys think he looks like. I want to see in your mind's eye when you're thinking about justice and how it needs to be brought. I mean, <laughs> what's the difference, Adam, between justice and revenge? I guess that's in the eyes of the law, isn't it? Fuck the law. That's right. Fuck, Fuck the, the law. law. When when justice has turned its back on you, all you have is revenge. You got to kick down doors with a shotgun. You got to lay down revenge. Is this like so, when Captain America became Nomad? I don't know what the fuck you're talking when about. When he like grew out the hair and wore the uh, Jesus, and, did he have a five o'clock shit? They have a ten day beard. Justice. We're talking about the American way. We're talking about cocaine. Co- cocaine. 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 Jared Cocaine. Jared Cocaine. Jared Cocaine. He does not acknowledge borders because neither does justice or revenge. All right. So draw me a picture, man. I want to see it. I want to see what's in your mind's eye. Lay it out to me. I'll put it on the Insta. Put it on the Facebook, and you're gonna come to Crit Hit. All right, you're gonna come to Crit Hit. You're gonna hang out. Maybe get a picture with me. Maybe get a picture with Adam. Maybe if maybe we can work it out. Cosplay Jared Cocaine. Oh, that'd be great. You can get a well, picture with him if you if you if you inspire uh, someone with yeah. your drawing. They may just go. I'm gonna 
cosplay yeah, Jared Cocaine. I would love it. I would love it if you would. And we may we may give you we may get you an opportunity to take a picture with the real life Jerry Cocaine or Jim Miller's going to be wearing a hot pink suit. I am going to be wearing a hot oh, pink suit. It's going to be amazing. Maybe I'll maybe I'll get my kids Meeseeks helmet of Jared that I Cocaine, made him and wear that around the whole crit time. Hit, crit hit three, 18 and over. Oh, yeah. leave the kids at home. Leave <laughs> the youngins at home. Wow. Wow. And because there's going to be drinking and debauchery and debauchery. And cos- oh, I'm out. Well, probably not debauchery. I'm double in. <laughs> debauchery <laughs> double cause in because it's, it's mostly dudes there. So. <laughs> hey, that's and I'm going to be wearing a hot pink suit. Yep, that's happening. Kids, as pink you can by see, the time I'm through. You, you guys can see that what kind of. All right, you know what? I'm on my fourth beer. That's it. We're done. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> this is this has been fun. Uh, hey, Adam, do the thing. Do the get. get take us out, buddy. Do the thing. All right, so if you would like to give us five stars on iTunes, we would really appreciate it. Go on to iTunes, give us a five-star review. If you can't give us a five-star review, let us know why, and we'll do everything in our power to improve it or, you know, block you and cut you out of our lives entirely. Either way, one of the two, we'll figure it out. Uh, if you'd like to reach us, you can reach us at fullmetalrpgofficial at gmail.com. That's our email address, fullmetalrpgofficial at gmail.com. FullMetalRPG.com is our website address. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, FullMetalRPG. Type it in. You'll find us. We're on there. We're doing the things. We're doing great things, amazing things. You'll be blown away. It's going to be fantastic. Um, no shithole Instagrams here. That's right. Just amazing Just amazing Instagram. Just number one Instagrams. We're going to make the other podcast pay for it. You're going to love it. Um yeah, go out, find us on social media, hit us up if you'd like to talk to us. Like I said, rate us, find us on SoundCloud for as long as SoundCloud is financially solvent. Could be gone tomorrow. We don't know. We Hopefully don't know. it's still around by the time that this drops. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we hope that uh, you enjoyed the show and give us a review. Find us on Facebook. Talk to us. Let us know what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear. Whatever. We're here for you. All right, guys, it's been fun. Uh, thanks for tuning in once again, and we will do this again in a month. See you then. Have a good night. See you in a month. Bye.